Insights to Live By, the podcast, where we discover new pearls of wisdom to put into action and enrich the daily lives of others. Hello, one and all, to what I know you'll find is another enriching episode of Insights to Live By. I am your host, Matt Zinman. And we have with us someone incredibly inspiring who really gets to the heart of helping others to find their calling. Among all else, she is an international speaker, founder of the Pajama Program, and author of a new book called Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas, How to Transform Your Life, Embrace the Human Connection, and Lead with Meaning. Genevieve Petoro, welcome to the show. So wonderful to have you here. Hi, Matt. Hi, everyone who's listening. Hi, hi. And um, of course, we're, we're audio. You, you have a fantastic background. Your, your wonderful book and cover is, is right behind you. I can't wait to talk to you more about that. Uh, you know, I got to say, there's an extra special bonus for me, Genevieve, which is that with you, I now have something in common with Oprah. <laughs> yeah, six degrees of separation. Let's right, yeah, now I'm, I'm, one de- I'm one degree closer to Oprah. And that you were on a segment with her, and I did get the chance to watch. That was fantastic. And it's one of the most rerun segments of all time, apparently. What was that like, being on the show? Oh, wow. I have so many stories. We need a glass of wine. You know, I, I'll tell you a couple of funny stories. I was by myself, and I got a call. And the woman on the other side said, hi, I'm so-and-so, producer on... Oprah Winfrey show, do you have a minute? Now, I, I, I had no. as much time. <laughs> what do you say? You know, I said, and I was very calm. Half of my brain was screaming, it's Oprah, it's Oprah's TV oh producer. Right. And the other half was saying, stay calm, talk intelligently, or they're going to hang up. So I had this battle in my head, and I managed to sound like a sane woman. And I answered the questions. Maybe three or four weeks, I'd get a call. I never told a soul because the last thing you want to do is say Oprah's people called you and Oprah didn't have you on. Right. right? Smart. Smart. So I said nothing, but you can imagine the sleep I lost and the the brain waves frying. And then finally, she was okay with everything, and I was sane on every call. And so she said, "You're booked." Wow. So when I got off the plane, which was a, a snowstorm in New York, hmm. and we were taping the next morning. So that was a nightmare in itself. And my mother, who was very funny, kept saying, maybe Oprah will send her private plane. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be great. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry, nice. I did not have a private plane to, oh, wait, we're on, we're on Zoom. We're good. We're good. <laughs> That's awesome. So I got off the plane late, late at night. And the producer said, call me anytime and I will tell you what to do in the morning. So I called her late and she said, okay, I'm gonna give you a quick run through. And she said, you're gonna come into the studio audience. We're gonna seat you in the audience. Oprah's gonna introduce you. You're gonna climb the three steps onto the stage and hop on a stool next to Oprah's stool. Right. Matt, I didn't hear anything after hop on a stool. A woman in heels, because all my friends were saying, what are you wearing? Hopping 
in front of millions of people. Got it. And not falling on my butt. I, I was just, I was, I was stunned. I was right. silent. And I wanted to say, where's the couch? She right, has a yeah, couch. Right, no, no, I saw that. You know, it's, funny. it's almost like the Academy Awards, you know, like that moment, like, don't trip, don't trip. Um, but you were wonderful. That's the but main thing, trip. right? Yeah. I no, didn't fall on my butt. Right. No, but the, I mean, the interview was terrific. I mean, anybody who's hearing, I, I certainly advise, you know, recommend go see it. Uh, you know, it's just so uplifting and, and inspiring. And, and surprising. Uh, and surprising? Yeah, I didn't know. Right. The whole reveal. Right. Right. The whole reveal. Well, let's come back to that because uh, we'll, we'll hold off to the reveal and we'll reveal it in just a little while. We'll <laughs> okay. reveal the reveal. Um, but, you know, first I want to talk to you a little bit about your nonprofit so people understand, you know, the context of that. And you were finding your calling. You, you left a marketing job. You were in TV syndication and mm -hmm. it led you to what you're doing now. So uh, please share. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to be Mary Tyler Moore. I wanted to be an independent woman. I wanted to be single and have great adventures like Mary did, being, you know, fit right into the man's world of, you know, news and all of that. And being the first of four in an Italian family, dad off the boat, I know that they wanted me to have, you know, get married and have kids. And that just wasn't what I was called to. And I wanted to climb that corporate ladder. You know, I lived outside Manhattan and that was my dream. And so I did. I climbed, I worked 24 seven, I remained alone and I had a great job. And, you know, all of my colleagues were in the same mindset. We wanted that office on the 41st floor. Right. And, you know, 15 years in sitting in my pretty little apartment, like I wanted, because Mary Tyler Moore had a pretty little apartment. Right. I heard a voice in me and it didn't come from here, my head, where all our voices come and, you know, chatter away it came from somewhere lower in my heart and I didn't know it then but now I know it's my heart voice we all have a heart voice we don't always listen to but it was so clear and it asked me if this is the next 30 years of your life is this enough right and it really spooked me because I had never heard that before I'd never considered that I had missed anything did anything trigger that being an inflection Nothing. point for you Nothing. it just kind of happened on its own the only thing, you know, I can think of is maybe it was trying to speak up and I was so busy. I was distracted that I didn't, you know, my sister had kids and my brother had kids there, my godsons and my nieces and nephews. I loved playing with them. Maybe that voice was speaking to me and I just, you know, I didn't listen, but right. there was no mistaking it. And that was, and that was a moment where I realized I did miss having children in my life. And I thought, what could I do? Now, I have learned in 20 years, and it's in my book, all these life lessons that I'm ashamed I didn't learn earlier, that you know, the universe is there for us. There are invisible forces, and there are people that show up, right? We call them coincidences. But all we have to do is be open to it, ask for it. And I met a great guy. I ended up marrying him. Because when I told him, gee, I think I'm going to leave this corporate secure job and give pajamas to kids, but I don't know what that is. Right. He said, go for it. So when this I... This is demo. demo. Yeah, demo. Mm -hmm. demo. Yeah. yeah. And so when that voice came and I needed to find where these children I could spend time with were, I thought of all the newspaper articles and the news I saw where children were harmed by people who are supposed to take care of them you know sure, we all sure. read those stories and I called the police and they led me to some shelters and I went in with books 
in a corporate in a corporate uh, suit. And I sat on the floor because there was nowhere to sit except little chairs for little kids. Mm -hmm. And it was a very bare room. I sat on the floor and they sat with me. And that was the moment where looking back, everything is looking back, right? We don't realize in, in that moment that things are going to progress in such a dramatic way. But they sat with me quiet, silent, and I read story after story. And then one night when I followed in one of the shelters to see where they were going to sleep, it broke my heart to see the same type of an empty room with two or three kids on a surface of a futon or a cot or a single bed, mm. but they had nothing to change into. They were wearing the, the clothes that the, the social workers or the police brought them in and they were soiled and the kids were frightened. You know, I didn't know what had happened because right. they can't tell you anything. I could just imagine. And so I brought pajamas the next time and I started giving them to the children and one little girl halfway through, she just shook her head. She didn't want them. She was afraid. She hadn't said anything all night. Hmm. And she wanted to watch me give them away to the other kids. And I did. And then I went over to her at the end. She was the only one there with a staff person. And I knelt down and I tried again. I said, honey, these are so soft and they're pink and you have pink in your top. I know they'll fit you. And I rubbed her hand on the cozy sleeve. Right. And she looked at me and she whispered, what are they? What are pajamas? Huh. And I mean, it was a good thing I was kneeling because I was, again, yeah. the split head. Half of me was saying, what is this? What is going on? And the other half was saying, don't let her see that she's rattled you. Don't be upset. She's very fragile. Just talk to her gently. And I explained pajamas to this little girl. And that was it. Right. The obsession began that day. Yeah. I, you know, that, that's the moment. That that's the moment, that, and and you don't expect something like that, and I, you know, I I I do. I mean, it really does shake you up. I I can I can you know I'm not there as much more powerful as it was, uh, but uh, it, it makes sense. You know, that's where it all started. That was 20 years ago. That was yes, that was 20. Well, it's a little more because 20 years will be Pajama Program's official right. birthday to next year, and I did this a couple of years before I knew what it was. So then you. Um, you know, that led to the nonprofit. Like, did you get right into action? Was it from the moment that you just explained around questioning being in your corporate career? And am I going to do this for, you know, pursue the Mary Tyler Moore dream for, you know, the next 20 or so? And then you decided to veer off. So uh, did you decide that right away? Or, or how did that inflection point continue on for you? Well, I was obsessed, um, which was a very emotional feeling for me because I always thought I was emotional, but until that moment, until the days and the weeks after, when that emotion was really overflowing in me, and it was a range of shock to heartbreak to worry, and I didn't really care about my day job. All I thought about was, if there's her, right. then there's another her, and there's another him, and there's another her, and there's another him. And that whole idea of being so sad at night, at bedtime, was heartbreaking. And when I looked in that bedroom and I saw the bare room, I had flooding memories come to me of my mom tucking me into bed and my sister and my brothers. And it was always fun and giggles and cookies and milk and right. reasons why we didn't want to go to sleep and stories that she made up and stories that she read and always pajamas. Right. It's, it it's a ritual, right? Yeah, it's part of a bedtime ritual. And, and it's something I think of these foster kids in the the environment and conditions they were in and not having that foundation. That's exactly uh, the word. 
that's exactly the word I was going to say. It's, I didn't realize it, but over 20 years, that word is it. It's the foundation that you, that, that child receives from the person that they trust to be there the next morning. Right. Well, in terms of your experience, and I know your book talks about uh, helping others find their calling, was your experience that that event immediately kind of washed away whatever remaining passion you had for your broadcast career and it just re replaced it with the new passion? Yeah, I was, I was obsessed and it was so, it was a mix of being so elated whenever I would go and see those little faces. They were always different. And I was really surprised at how I'd lost that passion for my work. And it was really uncomfortable because it was noticeable to my bosses, to my friends, right. my colleagues. And I, I was really fighting, my head was fighting my heart. Sure. One light dimmed and another one uh, more than brightened. Mm -hmm. So that brings us back to uh, you know, starting nonprofit and now it's, it's expanded. You have, uh, you know, 63 chapters. You've, you've uh, donated 7 million pajamas and books. You have a whole book yeah, initiative whole, as well, whole, right? Right. I started reading to children with the books and then the pajamas when I saw they were sleeping in their clothes. So it's the books and the pajamas. It's wonderful. And you have reading centers that are coming in, coming We up. do. We have, we do. Um, unfortunately, with this whole COVID thing, it's right. heartbreaking that we can't have the children there right now. So hopefully that'll resume. We're, we're waiting like everybody else is waiting to see. Yeah, you know, I want to ask you, you know, in terms of different effects with COVID, we'll kind of put COVID to the side, you know, and we'll tuck mm -hmm. it in a box and we'll come back to it, because uh, I'm sure it's affected your operations. It's certainly part of where people are right now and in facing certain challenges in career transition of whatever's going on and the opportunity to find their calling. And, uh, you know, certainly timely with, uh, you know, with your book and what you're speaking to. So that brings us back to Oprah. Right now we have context, right? So, <laughs> okay. so you're at the end. I, I just really so enjoyed that. So I want to touch on it. So you were toward the end of the interview. She had gotten the audience involved. So go ahead and pick up from there. Right. Well, all the phone calls before the producer was telling me the questions and prepping me. And I, and I thought it would be the interview, you know, just basically asking questions and answering them. And sure. I was um, surprised because they started to veer off. And Oprah started to say things like, well, what you don't know. Right. And I started to get nervous and I heard giggling in the audience and yeah. I, I, I just couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine what, what was up and I knew it was veering in a different direction, but what are you going to do? Right? So I just sat there and I waited. And then she said that five days ago, they decided to call all 450, however many studio audience members, Wow. tell them that I was a guest and needed new pajamas for my nonprofit. And she challenged them. She said, you can only each bring one pair to the show. However, let's see how many ways you can get more. Right. And they had and, to be new. Oh, right? They all right. To this day, from day one, right. these children Always never new. anything new. Always of course. New. Yep. So she said, that nobody had slept, all the producers, and she was waiting and they would not tell her the total. They, they had called FedEx and had them all picked up and brought to the stage. And they handed her this amazing envelope. And 
she said, I don't know what this number is. I am going to be as surprised as you and our studio audience. And she opened it and it was over 32,000 pairs of pajamas and in rolls what you will see if you watch the show. Right. Yeah, no, I looked at it. it they, I mean, 32,000 <laughs> pairs. There was like all these rooms that were just full of pajamas. I was like, and you know, what was funny, Matt, was when there are so many Oprah stories, you know, one day sure. we'll, we'll have to just have an Oprah story show because it's amazing. And I'm sure everybody's ever been on has these stories or similar. So when they brought my husband and I to sit outside the stage door to wait to be called into our seats. They took this very, our, our intern, or she wasn't an intern, she was one of the young ladies who worked there. She took a very circuitous route. And every time she went down one hall, she said, oh no, no, wrong way. And she would turn and we'd have to go another way. And then she'd say, oh no, I can't go this way. And then she would turn again. And I said to my husband, she must be new because I know this is a massive building, but she doesn't like know how to get us from the green room to the stage, right, to the, to the uh, studio. What was going on was that they were telling her in the headphones that the pajamas were all hanging and on racks and bins waiting to go onto the stage. And that's the way she was going to take me and I would have seen it all. Ah, okay. So she was trying to keep me away. And for a second, I thought you were gonna say, <laughs> there were so many pajamas, she couldn't get through. That, oh. that was like, is that where she's going with this? But yeah, right, right no, no revealing to you. Right. Um, wow, that's terrific. It's almost like the equivalent of, but not at all, okay? You get a car and you get a car, yeah. right? But it's pajamas, something right. along those lines. I didn't think I was going to get a car. Yeah, yeah, it was me. Um, but, you, but you definitely, that was just amazing the, yeah, the way that they did that. So now, leading to the nonprofit, and we talked about it just a little bit, and I know you've got chapters all over the, the country uh, doing what you yeah, do. 63. And anything more about that? And then I want to talk to you a little bit about certainly about your book. Well, my favorite thing, and obviously, well, I don't know if obviously it was obvious to me. I'd never expected pajama program to grow the way it has nationwide, but there are lots of stories. And I talk about the human connection in, in the book and how magical it is. And we just don't understand and, and how, how much we really need to, to rely on it and, and let it help us and guide us. So it grew because of so many stories of individuals and groups. And then my favorite part was telling this story and sharing this and answering questions and mentoring other people, whether they're starting a nonprofit or starting something new and you know they're nervous like I was. So as you grow, of course, there are more, there's more paperwork, there's more um, contracts to oversee, there are more meetings with uh, finance and, and attorneys and all of that. And that wasn't the part I enjoyed. I missed this part, Matt. I missed talking about the children, the little girl, um, what pajamas means. I miss hearing what people would tell me, parents who have a stable home telling me how bonding, you know, is everything at bedtime for them and their children. So I went to our board and I said, this is a great problem to have, but I want to remove myself from being executive director. Let's hire somebody who can take this baby to college. Right. And let me just be on my own and talk about pajama program and write my book. And they were okay with that. So we hired a great woman. So for three years now, she's been following, you know, our our mission and growing it and all of that to be the whole bedtime ritual for good nights a good day. So pajamaprogram.org is the place for people to go to see where we are today, especially in this virtual world, you know, doing virtual bedtime stories. Like everybody else, everything's virtual. So that's where you can go to see exactly how to help, what's going on 
on a day-to-day schedule. Right. And I'm so proud, you know, of, of where we've come. It really is remarkable. And, and I can tell you, and I don't think you know this, but I have a, a nonprofit called the Internship Institute. I started back in 07. Yeah. I know how hard it is. I know what it takes to, to, to just to, and, and in seeing your site, and you've got an amazing board and, uh, you know, such you a, do. you know, a diverse uh, staff of, uh, of talent. And uh, I'm, it's so impressive, really. And if anybody doesn't know what it takes to make a nonprofit happen and sustain it the way that, uh, that you have and grow it the way that you have, uh, it really is extraordinary. So uh, kudos to you, uh, to oh, say the least, for it takes that. takes thousands of people, as you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I understand. I do, I do know. Um, uh, moving on, um, tell us about your book. Now, certainly in the experience that you had and the inflection point that led you to this passion and with the nonprofit, uh, you know, talk about where, where, you, where you're going with the book and, you know, all the experience you've gained and now you've, you've written it. So um, please. Sure. Well, it's, I know you've written a book and it's, it's a cleansing, right? It's a cleansing of sorts. It's like seeing, for me, it was the story of something I never dreamed would happen in my life to a point where I'm sharing such lessons that, and I said it before, that I'm, I'm so ashamed I didn't know. And I'm, and I'm so envious of people who are 20-something and they've got their act together and they're looking for meaning at the start. Right. You know, I... I did, nobody said to me and I didn't think, oh, let me find a job that has meaning. <laughs> I, I didn't, I, I looked for a job to make money and to, you know, to, to have success that way. But the transformation is truly remarkable. It made me feel different. Everything about my life is different, but how many lives were changed because of one little girl, because of one question, because of one small right. heartfelt Question. moment yeah yeah moment. And, and the ripple effect of that it's unbelievable and it it just showed me that we're all alike we all feel what she was feeling at times we all feel empty and afraid and alone and like that nobody's there for us no matter how successful or how many people in your family for some reason that human condition has this flaw hmm. and it's a remarkable that that touches that her loneliness touches us as if we felt it. And we did feel it. We did feel it. So I talk about the human connection, like the Oprah, like a magazine article that came out that caused thousands of people to send boxes and, and notes and things with pajamas because invisible magic just, just was, was felt by so many people because- Absolutely you know, because of one little girl. Now, in, in the book, when you talk about how to transform your life, in the subtitle, embrace the human connection and lead with meaning, uh, under, explain you know, what kind of process or approach that you might be recommending in the book for people to experience something in much the same way uh, that, that you did and to follow their heart to uh, you know, achieve the, you know, whatever that passion is for them. Yeah, sure. Well, definitely, we all have a heart voice. And now, more than any other time, we need to listen to that heart voice. We need to stay quiet. We need to stop the head from talking. And we need to ask 
ourselves to to ask our hearts to speak up and it's not going to happen in one day for me it, it took time but as you ask you'll hear and you'll feel what the right thing is to do what um, what path to take or to explore right and you'll know how it feels it's about feeling it's not about your head telling you the right thing to do it's about how you feel because that's what connects us to each other how we feel how we share stories how are we going to know where somebody's been if we if we don't know how they felt about something that's happened or their life up until now or what happened yesterday right and it doesn't so have to sharing. be it doesn't have to be you know first of all it's that that fulfillment uh, mm -hmm. that certain people are looking for, they might feel a certain void. And, you know, you know, how do they fill that in, in terms of life enrichment, but it doesn't have to be an entire pivot, you know, for someone, for example, has a job and they need that yeah, to, right. you know, be secure and feed their family. It's something that you can do on the side in terms of volunteering. It, it's just a matter of finding that. Um, do you have any recommendations for how someone can, can go from that, that feeling of disconnect to, um, connecting with that kind of passion for themselves. Yep. I say you can jump like I did and that doesn't work for everybody. You know, I, that's me. I jumped in, I figured out how to swim, but there's a slide and that works for a lot of people. And that means that you know what your heart sings about. You know what your passion is if you're not doing it every day as a job. Take that and introduce it into your life at least an hour a week especially with what we're going through now. Too many of us say, I will when, as soon as. I'll think about changing my life. I'll think about volunteering. I'll think about starting a part-time something or other when. Right. And that's, and that's really hurting us, especially now when we need joy. And we need to keep those dreams alive. So take whatever it is and slide it into your life for an hour a week, whether it's reading about it, finding right. introducing yourself virtually people want to connect to somebody in that um in that area of life talk to them about it if you can volunteer or attend something virtually that has to do with that do it it sends a signal to your body and your heart and your mind that you're not forgetting about your dream that it's not disappearing it might be on hold but you can still embrace it and that will change everything because it's a gift that you have to give yourself. You have to give it the, that light of day. And it really does come, I really love how you explain that. And it really comes down to an experience. And I think it's important what you said about doing it for an hour a week. This doesn't have to be some major, you know, life change. It's really a matter of having the experience. And if you try something out and I might like this and that experience doesn't really touch your heart in, in the way that you had hoped, then you can continue to, to search for what other hour you might spend a week uh, to, uh, to, to get that fulfillment. I, I think that's really important so that people don't feel like, oh, in order to find passion and purpose, I, I'm going to be overwhelmed with some major thing I have to do. It really can just be a toe in the water and they can have you know, a similar um, inflection, not only an inflection point, but that trigger that that little girl you know, was for you to, uh, to, to touch you in the way that she did. So um, yeah, did I it's, that, it's that summarize? Yeah, okay. that's exactly right. And, and the whole point is you, you're telling yourself that you can enjoy this freely, that it's part of your life and you're not 
you know, you're not hiding it or burying it. And it changes how you see everything. It changes how you feel when you go to work. It changes when you're with other people. And not only do you feel that joy or that change in you, other people in your life will. Right. Right. Yeah. It can easily be underestimated when you're missing that. And even from a health standpoint, uh, you know, what, what it means to, to have, to fill your heart in that way. And I, I think it's easily overlooked and back to life enrichment is just so important. So I couldn't encourage people more to follow Genevieve's uh, direction here and how much your book is going to help them in that way. Uh, and that, that's fantastic. And I, I, I think we'll move on here to insights to live by in terms of, you know, we talked about this pre-show and she has so many, it's like, how do I choose three? I'm like, well, you know, you had the first half of the show to try and figure that out and we'll get to it. But what you don't know, Genevieve, I feel like Oprah right now. <laughs> She's like, oh no, I'm getting nervous. Um, is we, we want to get just a little bit more insight about you. And we have uh, something that you're seeing on the screen here which is the Wheel of Insights about Genevieve Pitoro. And we're going we're gonna to spin it three times. And it's gonna come <laughs> up to, we're going to come up to a question. And uh, they're, they're layups, okay? There's nothing you have to worry about here. Fear not. Uh, and here we go. Okay. Well, this is interesting. It has come back to... What did you want to be when you grew up, when you, when you were a kid? Was it always that Mary Tyler Moore or was it something um, yes, else first? It was, it was Mary Tyler Moore for, I would say, from maybe middle school up. Uh, but I always wanted to be independent. And my mom tells me all the time that before I was two years old, I had figured out how to escape from my crib. And I would just wanted to be free. And she just couldn't, couldn't make make a way for that those rails to stay up and she said you always wanted to be free you always wanted to do something and you know be on your own and that yeah. i remember not from two but i remember it early on and then i saw mary and that was it there you go yeah i'm <laughs> i i agree i mean i actually you know dating myself as well as uh, i watched <laughs> mary tyler Moore just just the same um i thought it was interesting that of the uh of the 12 questions that you got here you know, that's the one that popped up for you. Uh, so we're going to go back here and you can see on screen. The next one is. This is fun, Matt. Thank you. Uh, how would you define success? Oh, and one more thing, Genevieve, as you consider the answer to that is with what we do here with the wheel, you are the only guest that will ever get these questions. Once these questions are asked of any oh, guest, so cool. no guest is ever asked it again. So uh, no one else gets to define success, but you, no pressure. That's fun. That's fun. Well, okay. um, it, I, first I thought it was one thing uh, we talked about. And now I like that question that I go back to, it's sort of like the rocking chair test. If this is the next 30 years, is this enough? I can say yes. I right. can say I did something that meant something, that meant something to me that, I, that I'm grateful for, that made a contribution, that brought people together, and that I pray has a lasting effect on these children. Right. So that rocking chair test 
that I feel when I'm 85 or 90 or however old I am, that I will be able to say, I overcame my fears, I made the jump, and I, I just kept swimming. That's, that's uh, so pointed. And it's funny, I, not funny, I actually speak to this in, in, a, in, a, in a similar way when it comes to finding your why which is similar to the, to the rocking chair test test is what would you regret not doing? And for, for me, that actually led to the book uh, among, among other things, but certainly in defining success, the, the fact that you can speak to having that heart, heart filled fulfillment of doing what you're doing and, and being able to, to reflect back on it as well. And the freedom of, you know, climbing out of your crib. And ever since then, having freedom is uh, also, I, I feel, an important uh, part of success. Now, we're going back one more time. Okay. And, and I, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I recently, I was actually just in last week's show, I had the Philly Fanatic on, and there were a few questions on here, you know, favorite Philly and, and things that actually end up, it, it was only like four questions that were relevant to him, and a few of them actually came up. I did not do anything to customize this wheel for uh to you and yet the questions that are it's coming on are relevant well this is somewhat of a general question it is what is the your favorite city that you have ever visited and why now i know you're near new york right that's so we're not gonna we can't go hometown favorite here as wonderful okay. as new york is okay um what's that for you London. I've always felt like I lived there in a prior life. And to this day, even though I haven't been there in a year now, every time the plane lands, something in me says, I'm home. And that spooks me, but I've used, I'm used to now spooky feelings, spooky voices talking to me. And I, I, for some reason, there is something about London that calls me. And the first time I went, I didn't even want to go. And I cried all the way home on the plane. The, the stewardess was called stewardesses then she didn't know what to do for me she didn't know why i was crying and i knew why i was leaving a place i felt that was home at some point for me it sounds like london is calling (laughs) that was really bad i couldn't resist um but hopefully you get to to visit there more often right that's where your passion is um i've been there i was there uh some years back with my parents i was on the qe2 believe it or not they call the transatlantic crossings my parents my grandmother's and uh, a few days in London, it was wonderful, wonderful. I totally see uh, why you would have said that and had said that. All right. So uh, as mentioned before, with Insights to Live By, we talk about having uh, one, two, or three. I know you have many more than those. And looking forward to having you share them here. And we'll talk about each one. And if there's one in particular that really holds true for you at the very heart of things, let's save that for uh, the third one. Okay. So Genevieve, what would you say is your first insight to live by? Well, for anything that you're doing that's new, whether it's dramatic jump, a slide, or something that's different, I did it backwards. I didn't tell too many people, which meant that the naysayers were getting through to me. So I was getting what I felt like we were punches in the gut when I started to open up and I wasn't careful about who I was telling 
because there were a lot of naysayers and there are people who are going to challenge you and any major change and ask you, how is it going to work? I don't understand why, why? What I would do differently is what I tell people to do, get your cheerleading squad in order first. Right. You need people who are going to, who have your back. You need to line them up because you're going to need a lot of support and a lot of emotional <laughs> reassurance that you're not crazy. And yes, they might have questions for you too, but I did it the wrong way. I did it opposite. So every time I got pushed down, it, it hurt and it was harder to get up. And then I learned that lesson. Your cheerleading squad is your saving grace. Yeah. And I saw something about this earlier today by coincidence. It's, uh, and I, I couldn't agree more to surround yourself with people who lift you up. And when you have a dream, support you in pursuing that dream, as opposed to people who kind of knock you off balance and you never really quite find your way. And um, is, is that summarize what, what you're yes, describing? Exactly. Yes. Um, I couldn't agree more. Uh, excellent. And so what would you say is your second insight to live by you'd like to share? I would say, you know, when I started, we didn't have social media. And all I had was my story. And all I could do was, was tell everybody and hope that there were one or two that would listen and would get it. And I don't think we do that enough. And I learned how valuable that human connection is. It is incredibly powerful. People want to rally for you. They want to share. They, they want to see that you're, that you're, giving of yourself and that you're vulnerable and that you're asking for help and they'll return it. And that bond is so much stronger than you can imagine. And it's so much stronger than if people are just afraid to talk and they're talking from their head. If they, and I cry all the time when I tell the stories and it's a know, good cry. It's a good cry, Okay. but other people cry too. And if I tell the story to somebody and that person it has tears in her eyes, I can't imagine what she's feeling. Part of me knows that she's feeling what I'm feeling, but you don't know what other people have gone through. And I've heard so many stories. I heard a woman come over to me and tell me why she loves pajama program and why what I was doing touched her and caused her to be a supporter. She had three kids and a husband who was very ill for a long time. And she thought she was being a mother and father, doing everything that her husband couldn't do taking the kids to baseball, you know, every, every dad thing and every mom thing she was doing. And she thought she had it under control. The kids were fine. Her youngest one, she was putting to bed. It was about six or seven. She tucked him in the way she usually did. She went to close the light and he called her back to her, to his bed. And she went back and she said, what's the matter, honey? And it took him a couple of minutes, but he asked her, mom, do you think I could turn out like dad? Hmm. And she said, my little boy, how long was he thinking he could end up sick and, you know, incapacitated? Right. And this is the moment he felt safe. She says, I get it. I can't imagine how these children go through what they go through and have nobody to hug them, let alone be there for them. Right. Yeah. And that connection is amazing. Yeah. I, I know you, you mentioned something. I'm trying to think if it was in the uh, beginning of your book or something I saw talked about how in the modern world, we're, you know, we've lost that sense of connection. And unfortunately with COVID, you know, even, even more. Um, but and, Matt, and let me tell you something. Yeah. Let me tell you what, what I have noticed. And 
you tell me if you agree and maybe your listeners will will um, feel it. I don't think it's any coincidence or a mistake that we're wearing masks and looking at each other in the eyes. That's the only way we can be physically together. And we're looking at each other in the eyes. We, the eyes are what we're using to gauge that emotion. Are we connecting? Are they looking? Are they, we can't see the mouth. Are you smiling? Are you grimacing? But we can see tear, tearing up. We can see laughter. We can see a connection. It goes right from our eyes to our hearts. So I think that there's something greater here to look at, <laughs> look at, because we are in this position where we have to say so much and we have to connect with our eyes. Yeah, I love the optimism. And, and it, I, I totally see how, you know, people have that greater yearning and, and the eye contact uh, is, is, is all the more meaningful. So now I'll think about that every time I'm, <laughs> I'm making eye contact with people. So in this second insight to live by in terms of telling your, your story and you know, we covered a lot of ground, would you summarize it in any particular way? Um, yes. I think I would say that all of this human connection and all of the things that have been true for all of us for our lifetimes and are, is true for the last six months and definitely moving forward is, you know, people say it's a power of one. Oh my goodness, look at that person did this, person did that. What a great idea, you did it all. No, it's not the power of one. It's the power of one another. Right, right. And that is so different than the power of one. And we have to, I think we have to remember that. We have to try, that's, that's what I saw, that's what worked to spread the word, I would never have dreamed and I could never have done anything by myself. It's the power of one another. And I hope that we embrace that moving forward. Yeah, I, I, there, there's certainly a lot behind that. And I can speak to it, you know, even on the nonprofit side, right? With that mm -hmm. experience is you can't achieve big things alone. And, and it's easy to try and to not rely on people and you know, other ways in terms of enlisting them, but um, the, the power of everyone uh, is, well, wait, it was, it was one another. I'm right, sorry. Right. The power of I, one. I got it. I was like, I said one afterwards. No, it's not, it came before. <laughs> okay. So um, getting to your third insight to live by, what would you like to share? I think the, the third um, subtitle means a lot to me and it's how how I learned to lead with meaning and I think it's very important we're all looking to our leaders now in a different way there's more compassion um, for the most part I think people are very aware that leadership and team building is going to look different and be different which I think is a good thing which we need we need this compassion, this patience right now and moving forward. And people expect that. A boss is, was a boss when I was you know, in my corporate job. And that's what we expected. You go to work right. and you do what the boss tells you and the bottom line is the key. And nobody asks your opinion until you get up on the corporate ladder. But I think now if a leader includes and invites the team to the table, because we're looking for answers and you know what? Nobody has all the answers and the answer could come from anybody sitting at that table. And 
everybody wants to hear an idea that could work. Everybody wants to be in it together. We need to rally for each other. And I think if you as a leader or you as a team member bring meaning and offer meaning greater than a bottom line and greater than we have to make this product. Right. Why is it making a difference to anybody? What contribution are we making to the greater good? What can we feel really good about in our hearts, not in our, just in our minds about the, the profit, right. but what can we leave every day knowing we did to make things better for someone somewhere? And I think, I hope and pray that that meaning will come to the, be, be brought to the table. Yeah, you know, it's an important point, especially with a lot of people being disconnected, working remotely, and needing that leadership uh, to uh, have, you know, to be with compassion and in ways that touch their hearts so that they feel that connection and that motivation. Uh, so important with, uh, with what's going on right now. Um, anything else to add? I, I don't know if I cut you off there. No, no, you didn't. I just, I think, I think we're, we're all expecting it and I don't think it's going to be um, the way it used to be. I don't think bosses are going to be just bosses. They're going to be heart bosses. Let's all right. be a heart boss. It's important. Yeah. It is. And people have to need to feel that. Uh, and um, very, very, very well said. And so I would like to uh, talk about what's what's coming up for you and, and so forth, where people can find you. I will mention your site again. But before we do, would it be okay if we go back to the wheel one more time to get another insight about you? Sure. Genevieve? Okay. Sure. <laughs> All right. Here we go. It's Famous Encounter. I mean, oh! come on, it's Oprah. No, no, no. We're, you know, I'm not going to count this question. It's, it's almost rhetorical. We're going again. That's so funny. I know, isn't it? It just keeps yeah. landing on, on those pertinent to you. Well, this is pretty easy, right? Favorite movie. What's oh, your favorite movie? I would say Arthur. I just, I just really? love it. I could, I could probably Dudley Moore? play all, yeah, I could play all the parts. My brother and I know all the words and out of the blue, he'll text me and I'll, we'll just go on for an hour with the lines. Wow. Yeah, we're, we're talking small. And if you and your t-shirt could take two steps back and <laughs> the aspirin wow. are not for me, they're for you. Oh yeah. I haven't seen that movie in so long. Now he was, yeah. he was, I'm trying to think he was a butler and he, he was a drunk. He, he was he a, was a, I knew he was a drunk, drunk, but he was, but like, did he have like a role in life? No, he was rich. He didn't. He was. That's right. Okay, he was rich. Okay, I knew it was. Then he falls in love with. He wasn't the butler. He was the one who had butlers, but he was. He was the one. He was drunk all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's a great love story, and it's just. I just thought it was. Well, see, now I have to go back and find the movie, right? On my my (laughs) next binge watch. Um, Thank you for reminding me of that. I hadn't. I hadn't thought about that movie in years. Yeah, the original one with Dudley Moore. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, So, with that said, and I, I couldn't encourage people more than to go and check out your book and we're talking about purpose passion and pajamas how to transform your life embrace the human connection and lead with meaning thank you genevieve what's what's next for you and where can people find you um well my website's genevievepatero.com and i always love to hear from people and if you need an ear uh want to brainstorm you know i i love that so I invite anybody who wants to chat. 
And um, I do a lot of virtual masterclasses on all the topics in my book. If anybody or any group wants um, me to present something, I can do that. Um, but yeah, come visit the website. You know, if I may, just as a bonus, I meant to ask you about the masterclass. And you're doing this every Tuesday? Um, I did through COVID. I did 10 weeks because Ten I couldn't weeks. speak in person. Okay. So somebody suggested it and it, and it was great because it was, everybody was home learning Zoom. <laughs> and exactly. so it was, it was really fun and, and got some good feedback. And so I published the book um, last week. So it's been crazy. But now I'm thinking of doing one called, So You Want to Write a Book? Because people are asking me, what's it like to write a book? <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, it's more than one masterclass full, for sure, of, um, of things I learned about. So you want to write a book? <laughs> yeah, I know. I actually did a show, one of my solo shows, right? The early one was, you know, the journey for publishing and encouraging people to get into action. Yeah. And just the same as you're talking about here with the masterclass, and it talks about particip participants going on a journey to find their true purpose and identify what the next 30 years of their life look like. Yeah, so you're I say really... find your purpose is find your pajamas. I found my purpose in pajamas. You did. So you find did. your pajamas. Find your pajamas. Yeah. So uh, Genevieve Pitoro, thank you so much for being my guest. I, I'm thrilled to have you and uh, wish you all the best and, and, and all those who benefit from um, your, your book and the many more pajamas that uh, are on the way. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. This is so great. I can't wait to read your book too. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Insights to Live By. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Matthew Zinman and join our community at InsightsToLiveBy.com. Wishing you and yours an enriching day and we'll see you next time.